Hello, welcome to episode 91 of the Going Upstairs podcast from Opening Up Cricket. We've got another of the coaches' conversations here, number two, and the theme is passion. This is probably the most common word used in sport, something which we always make reference to, whether it be players, coaches, fans, a link really to why we get involved with sport on a recreational or professional level, depending on who we are. But how far can it take us? So I was really glad to have a chat with a good friend, Adam Canning, here from a rugby union perspective. And what came out of this for me was when we separate sport and well-being, we then find it harder to make the connections between them. So if we're just looking at, for open at cricket, the idea of mental well-being as something we add on, then I think we lose the opportunity to really, really make use of it. So the more we discussed this passion theme, the more I came to think, in actual fact, just what we do in our sport, the fact that we enjoy it, we engage with it, we do it with others, is just so good for our health and well-being. We don't need to target it separately, but just make that subtle reinforcement. Anyway, just my thoughts. Have a listen, see what you think. Always keen to hear comments, feedback about topics you'd like, what works, what doesn't. And we'll speak again soon. Right, here we are. Number two of the coaches' conversations. And today there is a different focus, twofold. The topic is a departure from what we looked at last time with Chris. It's going on to the idea of a passion as well as a couple of other things, but we're roping in someone with experience of another sport because I think we can always learn from things that aren't immediately in front of us, get quite bogged down about the technicalities maybe of cricket. So we've got a bit of rugby union here, but gentleman in question is a cricket aficionado as well, so I'm sure you're leaning to a bit of that. So Adam Canning, good evening. Good evening, Mark. Thank you very much for having me, mate. Yeah, good to have you now. Couple of technical issues aside, we're ready to run with this. Just tell us a bit about your background going into coaching. Yeah, so I I, I was a rugby player, played rugby for my whole life, um, and got myself to a half decent level. Played a couple of years professionally, and then um, semi-professionally, and bounced around the leagues, and was lucky enough to do it most of the time in parallel with my sort of commercial career in sport as well. Um, but I reached a point where I, I played for Coventry, which was a bit of an ambition of mine growing up. Um, and to cut a long story short, sadly, my career got cut short through um, a bad concussion injury, which led to quite a few mental health issues, actually, at the time. And uh, we did a separate podcast on that a few years ago. Um, but after falling out of love with the game for a year or two, I decided that I needed to get that Saturday buzz back in me and I needed to fall back in love with the game. So tested the waters with coaching uh, at my local club, Old Lemontonians, where I started out as a player and quickly, quickly fell in love with it, really. Um, and I've sort of just progressed in, uh, to, to becoming head coach of the first 15 Old Lemontonians. I've been doing that for four seasons now and we, we're just off the back of a really successful couple of years. So um, it's something that, it's been really rewarding for me. It's filled a massive hole in my life that playing rugby left. 
And it's something that I'm really enjoying and I'm really ambitious to to try and develop over the next next few years and see where I can take it. Now, I watched one of your training sessions a few years ago, probably quite a few years ago now. And the main thing I was interested in, aside from the technical aspects of it, as a watcher of rugby rather than a player, I was trying to see what might be the little secrets of what people do to prepare for that game on the Saturday. But I was also interested, pretty fascinated actually, by the difference between the two sports about what you do as a coach. Because a lot of what we do in cricket, of course, will be working with individuals because the game back is individual versus individual. Whereas you've got a lot more to do in terms of the connection between players in that how the moves work and the sequencing. So how would you describe your role as a coach in the sport of rugby union? What is it your what's your job to do? So at the end of the day, my job is to improve players. And I think if you improve players individually, then the collective performance of the team comes hand in hand with that. Um, you've got to put a structure in place that's clear, that people understand where they where they fit into that. You've got to have a, a clear game plan. This is amateur rugby still where we're only training twice a week, so it's not like we've got an a, a plan A, B, C and D. We've got to have a clear plan. Um, we've got to try and something we've worked really hard on over the last year or two is creating a culture and environment that people enjoy being a part of, creating that spirit where people play for each other. It is a physical sport. There is an element to it where you do have to put your bodies on the line for each other. So you've got to have some sort of bond and foster that environment that makes people want to do that for each other on a Saturday afternoon. But I think the main sort of focus for me over the last year or two um, in my development as a coach is, is working on that detail, the detail that your average punter on a Saturday that comes to watch won't see. But when you watch it back on a Saturday after the game and you watch the video analysis, it's those cliched one percenters that you don't see, but you, you, you will understand the impact they'll have when you watch it back and you know, everybody turns up on the Saturday to try to give their all to try and win. But if you can really master the smaller, finer details that come with executing your skills on a Saturday, that's when at the amateur level, you can really see quite quick gains in performance. And that's something that our lads have really bought into. Um, they watch the games back forensically. They really buy into the video analysis on a Tuesday. And, and it, it's really easy to see how a few small tweaks to your own individual positioning or um, doing a bit more work on a certain skill can make a massive impact uh, and that massive impact can on a Saturday be the difference between winning and losing. Mm. You touch on something there which I believe in club cricket is probably the next frontier for coaches or those in supporting roles and that of video analysis. We're fortunate now that we're catching up with sports like the, both codes of rugby and football whereby the video stuff is available much more full track for example in your net sessions you can have the looking at a pitch map just like you're doing the test match and then companies like waffle who provide things which can stream games and, and things like that so i think we're probably definitely you know i'm thinking about players that i'm working with at my club that would really lap that up it's just about maybe breaking through people's I suppose insecurities, you're quite exposed when you put on the, on the screen. You can't hide, can you? Uh, I've seen a little screenshot or two from 
your uh, your recent games where yeah this is exactly where someone is this is what they're doing and there's no place to hide uh, your big big trait as a coach and as a player and I suppose as an indiv- you know individual any walk of your life is that everything you do you do with a great passion and we hear that word so much in sport and it seems to be you have to have it you know that's the thing which drives us but what else is needed because we were chatting about this the other day we, you know we can't just rely on passion alone that really only gets you so far yeah definitely I think for me passion from a coaching perspective is everything but you need to be clear how you define passion basically so from a coaching perspective it's not it doesn't just mean that you you show passion you're emotive you're ranting and raving you know being visibly passionate on a match day or in a team talk or a pre-match meeting is important that does inspire effort it can foster energy and get the emotion and the adrenaline flowing in the players um, and I do feel like that is one of my strengths and something that I, I go to when I need to but that will only get you so far in terms of performance in any sport and actually anybody um, or most people can muster a passionate speech if they really need to it doesn't make you a, it doesn't make you a good coach um, but the passion that I talk about that I think is critical from a coaching perspective is the passion to enjoy your craft to enjoy coaching so that it's much more that it's something that drives you and everything else that needs to go into performance and creating a winning or enjoyable environment for the lads. So you've got to be passionate about the whole job, passionate about improving players, passionate about the detail, passionate about individual skills, passionate about doing the analysis and reviews that I talked about there, passionate about developing personal relationships and, and the culture, passionate about tactics, strategy. So all of the things that go into performance, you have to be passionate about. Passionate isn't just ranting and raving and giving a motivational speech. And I think without that passion, you you quickly get found out. Um, you've got the, the team that you're coaching have to be able to see that you live it and breathe it and that you're putting in as much work um, off the pitch as you expect from them on the pitch. So it's a much wider sort of uh, passion for coaching and development that I think sparks everything else. Um, so yeah for me the motivational aspect of it can be key especially in a physical sport like rugby but 15 minutes later that adrenaline is soon worn off and then the the rest of the match does come down to the finer details that I talked about which is individual skills and and the the one percenters that you don't see Mm. and I think one thing linked to this is you or anyone else that passion is worn on on the sleeve. It does, like we've mentioned earlier with, say, video analysis, if you put yourself out there, you're open then to, to all kinds of feedback, whether that be formal or informal. And these methods that we, we should use to improve ourselves as coaches or teachers or anything in these areas can be shied away from because... Even yeah, the greats in any sport or any leadership variety. I've just actually started reading a book called Team of Rivals about Abraham Lincoln. And right into it, you're looking at like how people receive feedback, what they do with what people have said to them. But we really easily get closed off from it and defensive and think, well, our methods, no, I've thought of that. I've been cultivating this for so long that I can't be wrong or don't want to be wrong but you you've tried to that's exposed you that's made you vulnerable to this what's that been like in 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 reality 
Yeah, I think it's really important to to not think that you know everything and have a have a two way feedback loop with the players and other people that you are seen to be a leader to. Um, actually, in my in career in business, I recently was on a leadership course, and as part of that course, they sort of promoted the fact that you should regularly go after feedback from your players or people that um, you manage or lead. And so, I I actually asked a couple of the lads. In the rugby team, a couple of the people in the business I work in for some really honest, no holds barred, nothing held against you feedback. And one of the, th- you know, one of the positives that people said about me was, yes, you are really passionate. You're so emotional. You care. And that's what drives us on. We, we know how much it means to you. And that is infectious. But then one of the negatives was pretty much exactly the same thing. You know, when when we lose, we know how much it means to you and you struggle to hide how much you're hurting. You struggle to hide how how much it's impacted you. And actually, sometimes we need you to be a bit calmer in defeat and not show much as much emotion. So that, I thought that was really interesting and something I reflected on and has helped me develop, hopefully, and, and improve slightly. I've got such a long way to go, obviously, to, to try and improve further. But I do feel like showing a bit of vulnerability and with your players and, and, and the people that you coach that you don't know at all, you're happy to accept feedback and suggestions for improvement is critical because... At the end of the day, the only judges of whether you're a good coach or not are the, are the players that you're trying to coach because unless they're buying into what you're trying to do and the methods that you're trying to implement, they, they won't they won't improve and you won't see that that feedback in terms of visibly see their imp- um, performances improving. So that's, for me, a crucial part and it's something I have seen great benefit from this season just gone by and it's something I'm going to proactively try and do a bit more in the future because you need to get, um, I think, diversity in thinking and, and get ideas from outside of your echo chamber, really. You spend time with rugby players, rugby coaches, people that are always saying the same things to you and, and generally agreeing with you. But it's often that person that wouldn't necessarily stand up in the team meeting and say, actually, I think you're wrong there, Chad. But if you get him one-on-one in a room and, and give him the opportunity to tell you what he really thinks, he might say, well, I thought you could have said this differently or I don't think this session is working for us or the warm-up could be better and different. Um, and it, and then that player will buy into you more and you, you'll get more out of them because they've been part of that improvement process in you as a coach as much as vice versa. Mm. It could, it, it must be, we're kind of at very different perspectives here in our sports because you can, with some authority, if you wanted to be quite... Uh, uh, quite down and lean on the fact that you've played the game for a living all your experiences with that must be tempting to do that sometimes to almost pull rank and be like I, you know i do know what i'm talking about despite what people might be feeding back you know i must have it right i tend to go the other way um often being involved with players who are not only better than me now but you know or, or, always have been better always will be better and can perhaps retreat too much and always throw in as an opener oh you know by the way I'm not saying I'm a better player than you even though that's not the relationship I'm actually a coach uh, in that that environment so finding that middle ground between how much you use your own experience and how much you you, you buy into like what a theory is that's been been given by others but that idea of the feedback I think is crucial on how we trans play in sport to our 
our well-being because I suppose when we're at our least happy, when we're we're struggling with things, we we do shut down, and it's just that conversation that's going on in your head about the rumination of negative things. So feedback can, in those situations, if you're not used to it, feel really like an attack. But you took it much more positively in in that. If we're thinking about one of the keys in amateur sport here, that there's a line to be found between pushing people to improve, which is key feature of what you're doing but also to keep the enjoyment and the respect that people are giving up their spare time away from family work of the commitments to in your case train twice a week then play on a saturday the social that comes with it and, and so on so where is that line for you yeah i think that's that is the toughest part of coaching in the amateur game it, it's a very fine balance if the players don't enjoy it they're not contracted they simply don't turn up <laughs> So without the players, you don't have a team. So you you do need to try and find that balance. And I'm a very ambitious coach. I want to win. I want to take it seriously. I prepare and try have tried to influence as much of a professional environment as I possibly can within the amateur game. Um, and hopefully that can help the enjoyment rather than hinder it. Because if you take it seriously and you train well and you work hard and you push each other, both players and coaches, and you've got a better chance of winning on a Saturday. That's how I see it. And the only way I ever enjoyed sport really was when I was winning it. Um, so having fun at training all the time, but then losing on a Saturday for me isn't enjoyable. So you do have to try and find that middle ground, like you say. So, but as a coach, I, I do think you need to know when to mix things up, have a lighter, a more fun session, take feedback from the boys in terms of their body language or how they've reacted to a, a defeat on the Saturday, maybe. And just take a bit of pressure off the players. Um, but again, it's a skill that I think I can improve on in terms of knowing when to find that balance. But also, you want to try and influence the players and the club to go on the journey with you to improving and working your way closer to the professional environment because it's more fun, it's more rewarding, you play better rugby, you get the rewards that come with that. And I think... At some point on your journey as a coach, if the club or the players aren't matching your ambition in terms of how seriously they want to take it, then you might want to look to progress. But at the minute, I'm finding it hugely rewarding that the players that I coach at Old Lebertonians have massively bought into it and they've had the best ever season um, in the club's history. We won 16 games on the trot and that's because they've enjoyed what comes with winning. And when you get on a roll with winning, the, the numbers of training are there and the enjoyment is subsequently there. Um, so, yeah. And again, if, you, if you're only training twice a week, you do need to try and optimise that time to bring the skill levels up and add that detail. So, yeah, to cut, to cut my answer uh, short, it's very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There'll be some cricket coaches listening and hearing you say, we only train twice a week and be thinking bloody hell, you know, it'd be a good job if I get my lads down to do it once a week. So uh, yeah. you seem like you've got a good environment there. It reminds me of something. This morning I was doing some work with some lads at uh, at my club, um, all dead keen to improve, all very receptive to different ideas so we share like videos of this sky sports master classes anything i can get hands on just to try and give a little taste of something and at the end of the session today we we've been doing a lot of batting stuff 
thinking about problems, thinking about where the field would be, how they can work with their partner, all these things. We just finished off with a bit of a fun game. Points involved, just trying to hit it straight back um, where it's come from. And there was quite a lot of mishits and all kinds of like, everyone's tired, their body shapes out of position. But it was still enjoyable. So I think that, for me, hit a bit of a sweet spot where they were challenged, but they were still able to find the enjoyment in not doing that well. There was like that really nice curiosity of going, "What? how the hell did I just shank that to square leg when I should have been hitting it to mid-off? But it wasn't any form of like, I failed, I've done badly. They were ready to go for their next one and think, how can I improve that? Which was which was just that's what they're like. These are all either teenagers, sort of older teenagers, or or, or blokes. So it's not like someone's taken them from the age of whatever nine upwards, and they've always been skilled to do that. They just seem to be like that, and it's a pleasure to work with people like that. So yeah, finding some in, finding the enjoyment has always got to be yeah. there. And if we make the link to well-being, both for the coach and for the player the reason why you still get involved and get yourself down to the down to the crofts three four times a week is because it's something that's enjoyable and th- that's always a thing which can get lost in this that your quality of your life is is based on having those things that you do enjoy that you look forward to that give you the benefits to your health which aren't necessarily clinical or medical they just we know it makes us feel good so for you 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 mentioned that idea of getting the love back for the game how much does it give you as a a person now who's entering a different phase of his life with the twins coming looking back on a career of playing but now looking forward in terms of coaching how much does it do for you in terms of your health and well-being yeah, more, more than I ever thought possible, to be honest, before I got into coaching. Uh, I find it probably more rewarding at times than I ever did as a player. You know, seeing a group of lads develop and improve and win on a Saturday from an environment that you've helped shape and, and, a, and a team that you've helped develop is, is massively rewarding. Um, but just being part of a club, being part of a community of people that are going after the same thing every week not just the players, but the wider group of coaches and physios and support staff, the supporters that come and watch us, the members of the club that have been really supportive of of us this year, the social element after a game, and just having that focus of going after something on a Tuesday or Thursday and Saturday, it just gives me something that I can't can't live without it, if I'm honest. For those couple of years in between playing and coaching, I really did struggle. And if you ask my wife, she'll probably say that, that was probably my most miserable time as a person and I wasn't myself and I probably wasn't a great person to be around and, and to live with. So it really does form the focus of my week, to be honest, um, both going after the result, but just being part of something, that community element, the social element that that it brings and the relationships. And like you touched on there, it, it's it's an intangible part of health. You, you need human interaction, you need relationships, you need to go through joys and adversity with with like-minded people mm-hmm. i'm drawing this to a close the thing which i'm beyond fascinated by i'm like just obsessed with it is like how we get people to feel more comfortable asking for 
for help. And I give an example in sessions when I see cricket clubs from rugby union. Steve Hansen, when he stood down as All Blacks coach, 2019 World Cup, and he was talking about all his experiences. But then he finished by saying it's all about in the environment that he was in, giving people the permission to say that they're struggling and to allow that to to be the feature of their their culture and their environment. Because if someone doesn't feel they have that permission, then they're not going to share it and they might struggle on and on, whether it be something with their game or he was bringing it more broadly into society, uh, given the issues that New Zealand and many other countries have with a lot of young men or older men as well taking their own lives. So all this that we've spoken about is great stuff with sport. There is the link to mental health and well-being that comes through it. But ultimately, what does it do in your your group, your wider community of the rugby club for getting people to feel comfortable that they've got someone they can ask for help or get something off their chest to? Yeah, it's obviously really important. I think in a sport like rugby, where it is so critical that you've got a tight-knit group of people that look after each other on and off the pitch, because genuinely, when you go onto a rugby pitch on a Saturday afternoon, you are physically looking out for your friends. You're protecting each other with every action that you you take. And for me, then there should be a natural and obvious link that that extends to looking out for each other off the pitch as well. And I think with initiatives like opening up, you know, you Boynsey came to our club a couple of years ago and did a really great session around this in pre-season, which I think we need to refresh. Now we've got some new players and the squad looks very different. Hopefully you'll come down and do that again for us this summer. But I think it is making sure that the players do feel comfortable that they can either go to a teammate, come to a coach or feel safe within that environment that they can share if they are struggling or they need help or they've not necessarily had the best day or the best week because, you know, statistically, you've got 30 lads training on a Tuesday. They they haven't all had a great day. They haven't all, they're not all uh, doing well in their personal lives. Most of them might be okay, but there's at least five, maybe six that have had a bad week. So I think hopefully it's something that as a coach I've improved with in terms of trying to engender that environment where players do feel a bit safe to share with that with their teammates. But I think that can be driven very much by the, the dressing room and the players itself. You know, if you've got a good leadership group, you've got a good social committee, you've got a good group, group of friends who sort of run that squad within. And there's probably lots of things that I'm not invited to and I'm not aware of, which I've had a bit of a joke with, with the players today. They're on a social today and I, you know, obviously said I must have miss, missed the text, but that's nice that they're going away and doing that and they're, they're on a Sunday and, and spending time together outside of the club. So I'm really confident that the culture we've created has led to a really strong group of friends that do look out for each other off the pitch. Um, and that's that's the biggest part of this, isn't it? I think if if you're aiming to... If you get involved in sport for the social element of it, then you're going to make friends. And in order to be a good friend, you've got to be a good ear and you've got to be there for them through thick and thin. And we know that we're all going to get tough times at some point. So it's just knowing knowing that you're there for them and, and people should be feel free to open up. Fine words for us to finish on. Uh, Chado, thank you for your, your thoughts, your insights uh, this evening. And I'll look forward to chatting again perhaps in a coach's conversation, but also outside of it as well. Thanks very much, mate. Cheers, Boynton. Thanks, mate.